It was 1945, the night of the graduation dance. The war overseas had just ended. The terror at home Boy. was about to begin. Roy? Come on, kid, don't play hard to get. What about New Year's Eve? Well, that was different. I couldn't help myself. The Prowler. If he wants you, he'll get you. Tonight, the terror begins again. They never found out who did it. It had to be someone in town, someone who knew that she was called Rose. And Mark, that guy still might be around here. Whenever the time was right, he'd come back. <laughs> the Prowler. If he wants you, he'll get you. Tonight, he waited for her. The Prowler. If he gets you, you'll wish you were dead. Catch your breath. It starts all over again. You may think you're safe, but you're dead wrong. The Prowler, coming soon. Welcome to Definitely First Blood. I'm Christopher. And I'm Mitch. And together we form a horror movie podcast. Yeah, not a Voltron. Where we talk about horror movies of the 70s, 80s, 90s, early aughts, and occasionally today. Yeah. Present day. Yeah. The, the teens? The teens. The tens. God, this sucks. <laughs> we live in a poorly named age. We do. Yeah. There's not a lot of zingy, like... Oh, the 20s, the roaring 20s. Yeah, you know. The 10s. I don't know. The 10s. Boring. 10s across the board. The teens? Gross. (laughs) I don't know. Anyways, how are you? You doing well? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm also doing well. Doing well as well. So in terms of uh, early show banter, I know we've seen some interesting looking trailers recently. We have. The new Halloween trailer came out this week, which is interesting mm-hmm. i think it'll be the last one that i watch until the movie comes out putting like an embargo yeah. on my consumption of trailers and promotional content just because i don't want to get too much spoiled for me because yeah, i'm that's pretty good bet. at like seeing things in a trailer and then being like oh well 
contextually, I have a feeling I know how that's going to go. Yeah, you're really, like, preternaturally <laughs> good at it. Well, it's just because, like, everything has a formula, right? So it's like, I don't know. Yeah. Plus, with trailers now, they just throw everything in there. The most amazing shots in the whole movie. So there's yeah. nothing to look forward to. Exactly. That's what I liked about Hereditary, is that they tricked you. And you <laughs> thought that, anyway, well, I'm not going to spoil it, because it's recent and very good. Go watch Hereditary. <laughs> uh, when did that new Suspiria trailer come? out that wasn't this week too was it wasn't that last week i feel like it was last week but we didn't talk about it last week i don't don't know i i'm of two minds about the new suspiria because it's one it doesn't need to be made yeah um but it the trailer looked good to me anyways it definitely looks interesting yeah um there have been because it screened so there have been some early reviews coming out and the last i looked which was earlier this afternoon uh, it was at like a 53% Ooh. on Rotten Tomatoes, which isn't necessarily like an indicator of quality. Like there's stuff that gets shitty reviews that ends up actually being good. That's true. Um, I guess lots of critics just like walked out of the theater. I've heard it's pretty uh, violent, like very, very in your face mm-hmm. violence. So, which I love in a movie. So I'm <laughs> looking forward to that. There's a big silver knife-looking wishbone yeah, thing. One of yeah, those, like big hooky things. Yeah, those are always good. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it's very heavily political and stuff like that. So oh, that's I don't know. boring. We'll see. We'll see. I, well, I, I remain cautiously but, optimistic. Yeah. Um, I'm still gonna go in with like an open mind and everything. It's just sort of um, expectations, like expectation yeah. management. It's really. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, because the screenwriter, I think that was this week, too. Oh, yeah. When he was like, oh, I don't like the original. Like, well, <laughs> okay. And the the last example where that sort of happened was the guy who did the Fog remake, and that's god-awful. Like, one of the <laughs> worst movies. But, I again, I it's not to say that it's not going to be good, right? Because I think you can look at something objectively and be like hey yeah i don't know i i really don't like the idea of like oh this is a masterpiece but i don't like it so i'm gonna do a better job it seems very presumptuous to me Mm -hmm. sometimes it it is a disservice to the movie too where it's like just like a fan wrote it you know like definitely sometimes they go a little too heavy with like the fan service what was that movie we did watch one this week where it was Bloodfest. Bloodfest. Didn't I another one I did not care for. Mm-hmm. Um I liked like the first twenty minutes of it, but I think that's a good example of like there is a lot of obvious, oh, here you go, horror fans, we're referencing you. Yes. And it was yes. just like ugh. It was so it it wasn't good. It was yeah. very fanciful. Like whimsical? I guess. It's just not that not for me, I guess. I can see, like, where people would really like it. And, yeah. like, there's definitely certain, like, groups within the horror community and stuff that are going to be, like, super jazzed on it. Definitely. And I think that's awesome. I think it definitely has a place. It's just, like, unfortunately for me, I didn't like it. It doesn't um, enter our Venn diagram. Yeah, no. It really, really wanted to be Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. And it, it just wasn't. It wasn't in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And it was the idea of like grounding it all in reality sort of pissed me off. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, to be honest with you, I know Christopher was saying, oh, you know, 
like he can watch a trailer and extract major plot points from it. I can watch a trailer and forget the name of the movie. So <laughs> I completely forgot that we watched that movie in the first place. Yeah, it was it was forgettable for us. But again, like I said, I can totally see how some people are mm-hmm. going to really like it. Um, just it wasn't something that I really responded super well to. Didn't we watch another one that was like essentially the exact same? No, we watched a trailer for um, Hellfest um, that hasn't yeah. come out yet. But again, similar names, sort of similar setups where it's like, oh, we're at a horror, like Halloween mm-hmm, Horror Nights mm-hmm. sort of thing. And shit is real and oh, not no. actually just imaginary. Yeah, but whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Terrible to, movie. To each their own. So <laughs> today, it is our 29th episode. Oh my gosh. Yes. And 29. we are talking about 1981 slasher movie, The Prowler, Ooh. aka Rosemary's Killer. Oh, I didn't know it was that. Yeah, that's what it was released as internationally. It's like Rosemary's Baby, but yeah, they kill her instead. <laughs> and there's no Satan. Oh, for sure. I think this was one of the first ones we watched together too, right? Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I remember. Uh, I used to have access to this really big theater space, basically. I mean, not a the- not an actual theater, but I remember dragging a couch into that room and putting it on the big yeah, screen, we, watching like, it together. Yeah, watched it on a projector. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was the same night where the police ended up showing up. Oh, uh, yeah, my birthday. Yeah, because. Yeah. Someone in one of the buildings opposite, because Mitch could get in the back door of this like big uh, university building and residence. So we went in through the back door and I guess she saw us because they were having a conference at the other building and she called the police and said a bunch of Asian youths were breaking in. Suspicious looking Asian youths. (laughs) I'm like white blonde. Yeah. I'm also white. Yeah. But brown. Hair. Yeah. Yeah. And it old poop eyes. So and there were two police officers who I had never seen before. So it was really embarrassing because yeah. they didn't know me and I didn't really know them. And then trying to explain, you know, they ask you for your birthday. It's today. Yeah, that's weird. What were you doing? Yeah, and we were drinking too. Yeah, so it was just like Ugh. I think I had a four loco as well because <laughs> I would like drink one of those before we drank yeah. six pack. Yeah. Oh well, <laughs> memories. Memories <laughs> all alone. Da, 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 da. Sorry. <laughs> so The Prowler. Yeah. So it opens on some like cute stock footage mm-hmm. of uh, the Queen Mary bringing home a bunch of sailors and well, not necessarily sailors, mm-hmm. but a bunch of soldiers from World War II. Classic newsreel. Yeah. And I love this. They highlight uh, psychological damage. They'll have to rebuild yeah. their lives. Uh, they and that some of their lovers may have left yeah, them. Yeah, they got Dear John letters. But they don't mention uh, the dudes who got their arms or legs blown off. <laughs> so presumably they're fine. Well, yeah, no, the narration is specifically for the movie, right? Like, <laughs> no, it's definitely, not like I a, know. <laughs> an actual vintage narration either. I just thought it was funny. Yeah, and then no. buy war bonds. Yep. <laughs> it's all the, like, the relevant over? information for the movie. Yeah. Uh, because he mentions the Dear John letters, and as soon as this stock footage ends, mm-hmm. we get... Uh, a Dear John letter from a girl named Rosemary to a fella. I don't know how to tell you this. I really don't want to hurt you, but I just can't wait for you any longer. I know I promised to wait. I really did try. But it's been so much longer than either of us expected. So much has happened, and you're so far away. 
I hope you understand how I feel. I know I said I loved you, but I'm young, and I have to live my life now. And who knows how long it will be before you return. I hope you don't hate me for leaving you this way. But perhaps when the war is over, we can be friends again. Please take care of yourself. I continue to worry about you. Sincerely, Rosemary. And sending that in 1944. Yeah. Uh, but how is she going to know perfect Palmer penmanship <laughs> on this letter? I was very jealous. And from there, we go to June 28th, 1945 mm-hmm. in Avalon Bay, California. And there's a big to-do, a hubbub, a real zinger of a party oh, going yeah. on. Oh, yeah. It's a bee's knees. <laughs> that two people have arrived, and they shoot some shit outside and gossip about one of the other guys before mm-hmm. they... Head in to like a fully decked out USO style graduation ball. There's bunting, there's those crepe paper streamers, and there's a million lights everywhere. (laughs) String lights all over the place. I bet they're even in the bathroom. We followed this like couple in from outside. And then it shifts once they're inside Mm -hmm. to another couple behind them at the punch bowl. One of whom is Rosemary, the one from the letter Uh and the guy that she's with is obviously not a soldier because he's wearing like a regular person like white suit yeah and they take off to go make out at the point or something it's like a well-lit gazebo that seems to be nearby this building yeah and uh, as as they're leaving the party he makes sure to talk about how much money he has Mm -hmm. and how much money he his family has people are jealous of of his dad's money yeah isn't it beautiful? If you really like it, I'll buy it for you. Boy. What's the matter? Afraid somebody will tell your daddy? He's just jealous. What do you mean? My dad's got even more money than he does. So they go to the nicely lit bridge and gazebo Mm -hmm. and they start necking when someone cuts the lights with a bayonet. Yeah, literally necking. (laughs) Literally cutting the lights as well. Like physically cutting them, not just turning them off. Mm -hmm. And you know, if it were me, uh, dark on a peninsula or wherever that is, I would be like, hey, maybe we should get out of here (laughs) yeah that would be the smart thing to do but these two scoff at the face of danger he's putting a lot of pressure on her to neck Uh, as they are in the dark our black booted stranger sort of comes up and rosemary sees him cry of shock as he pitchforks straight through her suitor straight through her as well yeah right through the dude's back and straight through into rosemary Killing them both, obviously, and then he leaves a rose in Rosemary's hands. Romantic. <laughs> I really liked all the realistic blood in this. Yeah, the visual effects in this movie are fantastic. They are fantastic. So then we cut to 35 years later. Yeah. It's the same college. 1980. And Pritchard class graduation. They are preparing for their first graduation dance since the one in 1945. It's just like dirty dancing. Dancing has been illegal. Or is that the other one? 
That's Footloose. Yeah. A cop, Mark, arrives and he starts scoping out two of the co-eds who are putting up the banner Mm -hmm. named Lisa and Sherry. Lisa and Mark have a little bit of a flirt sesh back and forth and then enter Pam. Our blonde main girl. Yeah, she's got two giant stacks of newspapers because yeah. uh, she just published them. And yeah. it's got a story about the murders that yeah, happened. Yeah, she wrote yeah. an article about the murders that happened at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So she gets whisked off with Mark. They're going to go to the sheriff's office together. They're going to talk about the dance that's going on as well as discuss like the article that she's written. Yeah, and I love this in the sheriff's office. Classic giant wall of law enforcement related patches yeah i thought that was really nice looking yeah my dad had one really yeah not law enforcement just all sorts of weird patches and pins and stuff yeah (laughs) there it's a pretty expositional scene right Mm. like we get some uh banter between the three of them we learn that the sheriff is headed off to his annual fishing trip because it wouldn't be the summer without the fishing trip and he can't not go uh, we also learn about some guy who cut up a kid in a store in Columbus, mm-hmm. and he might be headed this way. And they mention a Major Chatham, who was Rosemary's father, mm-hmm. and he still lives on the campus. Same house. Yep, same house. Right by where, right the, murder, by where the murders were. Like, he can see it from his house. That sucks. <laughs> Pam goes back to the dorms, and she chats a little bit with our supporting cast, namely... Lisa and Sherry, and then another character yep. that's arrived, Paul. Yep. <laughs> Did you taste the punch? It's kind of uh, bland. It is now, but as soon as Del Chaperone isn't looking, we're gonna. Punch ready? Yes, Miss Allison. You're gonna get us all in trouble. Pam says that it's a little bland, yeah. but they needn't worry because soon it's gonna be filled with alcohol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. I, I've never had a spiked punch. Yeah, like, me unintentionally either. spiked. There's a scene where they're at the convenience store and we get to see sheriffs loading up on deodorant and Barbasol before he leaves for his fishing trip. And uh, the owner of the convenience store is sort of pissed that there's this party going on. Yeah, Kingsley. Yeah, Kingsley. He's actually the guy from the beginning, like the initial couple that we start on. Well, he's a huge asshole to this guy named Otto who also works there. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you got to load up the truck. You're not moving fast enough. Mm -hmm. Bing, bang, boom pretty rude you don't treat your coworkers like that <laughs> and we get to see a lot of like awesome 80s packaging branding because a lot of those movies didn't really show it so it's nice to see and so it's that night this movie jumps around a little bit at the beginning yeah there's but... a lot of jump cuts yeah so they're getting ready for the dance at hand and Sherry can't decide on what dress she wants to wear, so she mm-hmm. asks Pam her opinion. What do you think? This one? I like it. Or how about this one? <laughs> I don't know what the difference is. I mean, with the prom around, it's not going to stay on too long anyway, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's a real animal. Pam is like, does it really matter? It won't be staying on long anyway. Ooh. Oh, shit. But it wasn't done in a mean way because Sherry's just like, oh, yeah, Carl's an animal. They're just jazzing each other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Lisa is getting ready nearby in this, like, I don't know. I think it must be a dorm because they have roommates and it's like a bunch of rooms off the main hallway. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely a dorm. Yeah. So Lisa's getting ready. She's chatting with her friend who's like a tertiary character named Sally. Hey, Lisa. 
I just spilled nail polish all over your dress. Yeah, you do, and I'll kill you. <laughs> Lisa, you better close those shades. You're gonna give old man Chatham another stroke. Are you kidding? That old guy's harmless. He can't even get out of his wheelchair. Mm. Well, there's nothing wrong with his eyes. He's been staring at us all semester. Oh, yeah? Because he's watching from the window. I guess he's more like forlornly looking out of his window. Well, Sally says that he's been watching them all semester. And then Lisa like flashes him mm-hmm. while screaming. And she, he's sort of like <gasps> a little bit shocked. Yeah. We get a reaction from him. Yeah. And then Lisa, Sally, and Paul, uh, I guess they he met up with them at some point, mm-hmm. And they all head outside while drinking straight from the bottle, leaving... Sherry and Pam upstairs yeah. by themselves. I like that while it's sort of like ginger snaps, like interspersed with them getting ready for prom, is the killer, yeah, the killer like getting racing ready. up He's for gearing up. Yeah, it's good. Nice diversion. <laughs> Pam is just finishing up getting ready, and Sherry's still in the shower, so Pam asks her if she wants her to wait for her, which I thought was like a really nice, yeah. friendly thing for her it's to do. It's a good, friendly thing. Something yeah. you don't see very often in these nope. movies. Um, but Sherry says, no, it's fine. So then Pam heads downstairs. Yeah. And she heads out. Yeah. She joins up with the rest of them and she's a little suspicious because she thinks that maybe she sees or hears someone watching or like at least like a rustling in the trees. Yeah. But she meets up with the other three of them and, uh, they head off. Yeah. Paul scares the shit out of her first as all good friends do. (laughs) Inside, uh, we get this sort of creepy, creeper point of view shot of someone walking the halls of their residence, coming up to room 40, which is Pam's room. Yeah, they really make it seem like the killer is slowly sneaking up the stairs to come and get Sherry. It's mm-hmm. like very psycho style while she's in the shower. Very psycho style. Especially with like her Janet Lee haircut. Yeah, it's true. I hadn't noticed that. Classic fake out though, because it's her boyfriend, Carl. And uh, he decides to take off all his clothes and join her in the shower, mm-hmm. which is a terrible idea because it's going to take him forever to get redressed. She just throw on a dress. He's going to have to like retie his tie and everything. It's a nightmare. But the nightmare for him has just begun. Wah, wah. Uh, so he the the prowler sneaks up behind him. The real prowler. And stabs him directly through the head from, like, top all the way down through his jaw with a trench knife. Yeah, it's super realistic and very grisly and very extended. No one dies very fast on this movie. Which is really nice. There's a lot of blood. And you sort of see the killer yanking the trench knife back out of his skull. And Mm -hmm. it's hard hard for him to do. Gross. (laughs) Really good effects. And then he sets his sights on Sherry, still in the shower. Mm-hmm. Um, but she isn't as lucky, I guess, to get stabbed. Instead, she gets pitchforked yeah. right in the abdomen, like so right in the ribcage. He's holding her nude up against the wall by yeah. this pitchfork. Ooh. Again, extremely realistic. So Amazing brutal. special effects. Very brutal and very scary to think about. <laughs> it would be so terrifying. I don't know. Those are good. Yes. At the dance, our girl Pam, she is working the punch bowl table. Yeah. 
And then she sees that Mark has shown up and they like smile at each other from across the room mm-hmm. and being a little bit flirty. And that's when he gets intercepted by that skank ho Lisa. God damn it. And Pam knows that Lisa's got her eyes set on Mark. Yeah, and from Le- earlier. Lisa starts dancing with Mark. And the two of them are like being very flirty the whole time. This like amazing movie party scene song mm-hmm. is playing. That's sort of like subtweeting Lisa's character, I think. Oh, I didn't realize. That. Yeah, like the song is like "Take the Path of Least Resistance." <laughs> songs i did notice they come back to like relate to other plot points later yeah um i don't remember what they were but that's funny pam is like seething while she's watching this and then paul comes up behind her and i think he like hits her on the butt or Mm -hmm. like hits her with his dick or something something so she like snaps back around but she does again it's like playful she's not upset by it or anything and then he starts filling the punch bowl with uh, alcohol. He has a giant bottle of vodka, and he's yeah. just dumping the whole thing in there. <laughs> no one's going to be able to tell, I'm sure. <laughs> Mark finally comes to go talk with Pam, mm-hmm. and she's still miffed. And as they're talking, Lisa comes from behind and body bumps Mark, yeah. who then spills punch all over pam's dress like you were saying about things coming back before i forgot to mention this earlier like when um lisa and sally are talking before she like flashes Mm -hmm. the the major sally's like hey lisa i just spilled nail polish all over your dress this is like you better not i'll kill you Ooh, nice so i think there's a little bit of a foreshadow there that's really nice and pam's like don't apologize. Thanks for the dance. Yeah. And then she storms out because her dress is now got a nice pink ombre down the front. So she's got to go change. So mm-hmm. she heads upstairs to do just that. We get a nice long tracking shot yeah. of her like walking back, playing with her scarf in the wind sort of. Mm-hmm. It was really nice. There's a lot of long tracking shots in this movie that yeah. work really well. Yeah, the cinematography and direction in this movie is very good. Mm-hmm. So she goes upstairs, and it's sort of like that urban legend scene where um, whatever her name is, Redhead, doesn't turn the lights on. Oh, yeah. To yeah. see Danielle Harris getting murdered. Yeah. So she just like walks in she sees that the bathroom door is open and she like closes it over she's like don't worry sherry it's just just me me. 
like being a good friend. Yeah. There's blood all over the other side of the door that she can't see. And she starts changing, and then we see the killer put a rose on Sherry's face. So So he's he's still still in there. there. They're feet apart. (laughs) So scary. And the door slowly opens while she's getting changed. So she finishes getting ready in this far less nice green dress than she was originally Mm -hmm. wearing. And she starts to walk down the hall, but then she realizes she forgot something. So she goes back into the room again. To get her clutch. Yeah. And she sort of like... Yeah, she still doesn't notice anything. She kneels down beside the bed and we see there's this big streak of blood on it. But like, to be honest with you, you probably wouldn't notice that because you're not expecting... Oh, definitely not. ...there to be a lot of blood on your bed. No, not at all. Uh, And then she leaves. She does. But she has a bad feeling as she's going down the stairs. So she decides to wait. And she looks up and she sees the prowler. Yeah, first a very ominous shadow. Yeah, and fully then... kitted out. You can't see his face. And he starts coming down after her. She takes off running and all of the windows and doors are locked. She's like trying to get into mm-hmm. any room she can, but they're all locked. She's running in heels too, yeah. down the stairs. It's a pretty good chase scene, honestly, but like it's also very stereotypical in that she's incapable of opening latches or locks in any way very out of character for the rest of the movie like there's these french doors that are clearly locked by the top and bottom yeah pins and takes her away anyways she gets out though and as she's running away major chatham in his wheelchair like grabs her shawl that she's wearing and her arm like all in one and and won't let go she struggles but she eventually manages to escape without her shawl she like drops her purse Mm -hmm. And she runs around to the front of the building. And when she gets there, she runs into Mark. And then she tells him what happened. So he goes to investigate while she goes into the police Jeep, which Which, is a smart move. Yeah, I was like, yeah, go into that Jeep. Don't follow him. (laughs) But he is like, oh, I'm going to take my time and really like... Yeah, he goes to investigate. And all the while, we see that he's being watched by the soldier yeah it switches to handy cam from steady cam i feel like they they missed a really big opportunity in calling this movie and the killer dear john i feel like that's that's spooky we should write it yeah (laughs) uh he comes back to the jeep after his lackluster investigation Mm -hmm. and he tells her that he found boot tracks and wheelchair marks but no prowler yeah pam's like sherry's still in there he goes back inside the dorm to go check. But when he gets back upstairs, he finds that the door has been locked. Yeah, so he's he just gives up and then leaves. Yeah, he's not fully, <laughs> like, uh, calm about it. He's a little bit, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, shower's still on. We get to see the corpses chilling in it. Yep. Uh, yeah, so they decide, okay, well, the major grabbed her arm. Yeah, so they're going to go to his place. Mm-hmm. And they, they take the Jeep all the way across the road. Yep. And when they get there, they knock, but he doesn't answer the mm-hmm. door. So they make their way around back and they sneak through a window. They like try and call out for him a little bit, yeah. but no one answers. But we do see that the soldier is in his house and oh, he yeah. hears them arrive. He watches them break in, I think. Yeah, they keep investigating the house and they find a portrait of Rosemary, who she calls Francis Chatham. Yeah. 
and she does a little bit more investigating while Mark is peeping around, and Pam finds a box filled with old photos of Rosemary and a photo album. Well, actually, I think they call it a yearbook with a pressed rose in it. For some reason, she does a side-by-side comparison with the picture on the mantle and in the book. Like, oh, it is the same person. Which was weird. Never mind that it has her name also beside it. (laughs) Did it? That's hilarious. That's really good. Uh, So while that's happening, uh, Mark and the Prowl, well, Mark's playing an unknown game of cat and mouse with the Prowler, sort of. Like, he doesn't know he's being watched. The Prowler's being really quiet and sneaky and sneaking around. Uh, And then, uh, oh, Mark is checking the room filled with ghost costumes, sheets over furniture. Yeah, well, I think that all of the sheets are over the furniture because Major Chatham is in a wheelchair, so anything above the first level he can't get to. Definitely. I was making a a ghost costume joke. So Pam puts two and two together, and then she tells Mark once he comes downstairs, like, oh, look, there's this rose. The killer left a rose. Maybe the killer's back. Could they be the same people? Mm Mm-hmm. Look at this. So what? It's the Major's daughter, Frances Rosemary Chatham. They must have called her Rose. And look, see, I found the pressed rose in the yearbook, and the killer left behind a rose in her hands. Didn't you read my article? They never found out who did it. But it had to be someone in town, someone who knew that she was called Rose. And Mark, that guy still might be around here. Oh, man, I don't believe this. You're talking about something that happened over 30 years ago. (gasps) Pam, the guy who chased you may be the one the state police are looking for right now. I said, let's get the hell out of here and go to the dance and see that everyone stays inside. Maybe you should call the sheriff. Thanks. I'm sorry. Uh, And Mark's like oh gosh okay well maybe it's best that everyone just stays in the dance then yeah so they head back to the dance to make sure that nobody leaves and at the dance our alcohol loving friend paul is hugging the toilet too much punch yeah it would appear he's puking a bunch and lisa is pissed that he isn't paying more attention to her i guess hugging the toilet not her so she tells him that she's gonna go to a nearby pool to take a swim. And she storms out. Yeah. Unfortunately for her, this is just as Pam and Mark are telling the chaperone, Miss Allison, about the Prowler. So then Miss Allison gives an announcement that nobody is to leave the dance. And she does a really good job. She, like, keeps it cool to make sure there isn't any panic. Very important announcement to make. Um, Miss Allison, Mr. Thing on still? You think? Hello? Testing? Hello? Uh, attention. Uh, could I have your attention, please, ladies and gentlemen? Um, Deputy London has just informed me that a prowler has been seen around the campus. And, uh, well, he could be dangerous. Now, I know this won't be very popular, but I'm going to have to ask that everybody please stay in the building until we know more about this. Okay. Which shouldn't be too long, okay? So, everybody, just... Relax and enjoy the dance and the music. (laughs) Thank you. I like how there's groans of disappointment. Like, you're already in the dance. You're presumably enjoying your... Oh, we got to stay at this place where we're having fun? Gosh darn it. Paul recovers, and he goes to leave to go join Lisa Mm -hmm. when Miss Allison stops him at the door, and he gets 
pissed off, but it's really, it's too late anyway. Yeah, she's out there. So he starts getting aggro with Miss Allison and the other chaperone. Yeah, Mr. Turner. And Mr. Turner's to yeah. like Mark is like, arrest this guy. <laughs> I won't tolerate this. Sort of, like he hasn't really done anything other than be jive. A little bit aggro, yeah. yeah. So then he, Mark is going to take him to the drunk tank for the rest of the night or whatever. He's getting him out of there. Yeah. So we see Lisa swimming at the pool, doing her thing. What and, are you uh, doing? Why are you doing that? Bad decision. She goes to get out of the pool when the prowler kicks her in the face. Full on. Full on kicks her in the face. You don't see that in modern movies, let alone old movies. I guess it took 18 takes of that scene for the director to like it. Wow. Yeah. I wonder if she actually... Like the boot connected to her face ever? <laughs> it was it was a rubber foot or something. Oh, it wasn't okay. like a real foot. Okay. Well, it looked pretty real. <laughs> it was good. So she gets knocked in the mm-hmm. pool and she gets uh, a little bit disoriented for a little bit. When she comes out, she's like looking around like, who kicked me? Who yeah. kicked me? And she can't find him. <laughs> she finally gets to the ledge of the pool and that's just as the prowler jumps up in the water behind her and cuts her throat very again extended one of the worst ones yes like in terms of throat cuttings in movies like essentially half decapitates her oh my gosh very graphic very graphic and the blood is really good and we get this awesome scene of the blood slowly dying the whole pool yeah she even gets like a death rattle it was good better than her most characters in her position yeah 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 (laughs) Back at the dance, Sally and her boyfriend, Ben, are telling Miss Allison that Lisa's at the pool and they're worried because she missed the announcement. Yeah. So then Miss Allison goes out to look. Yeah, can't let Paul go look on his own, but me, I'll go look on my own. So she leaves, and while she's gone, Sally and Ben go into the basement to go fool around in which is a genius idea disgusting basement yeah. <laughs> on this disgusting mattress did you did you have any makeout spots in your high school not to my knowledge but that mm. wasn't really anything that i would be privy to well, i know it was anything you'd be privy to you might have heard there was definitely one there was a couple in my high school uh there would like the theater was always open because it was in the gym so people would go sneak there and hook up where there were a bunch of like disused stairwells that didn't connect to anything useful people go there too (laughs) yes or to do drugs i know there's like a a rock face past the football field where people would go to smoke weed at lunch scandalous yeah but i don't know people probably made out there i have no idea what straight people do (laughs) they they hold hands i don't know yeah so while Sally and Ben are macking out mm-hmm. downstairs, we see that they're being watched by, it's either Mr. Turner or the Major. I'm not Someone, quite sure. Yeah. An old dude. They're being watched by an old dude. And Miss Allison has found all of the blood mm-hmm. in the pool. Can't clean that up yep. easy. Uh, so she starts to run away, and then she gets caught by the Prowler, and then he stabs her oh. right in the neck. Ooh. Like, almost as bad as the throat slitting, but at least probably quicker. Hopefully. Oh, oh I felt really bad because I liked Miss Allison. Yeah. Even though she's barely A nice in it. little secondary character. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know. Why are you running through the dark woods? I guess yeah. there's nothing. He's going to kill her no matter yeah, what. Yeah, no matter what. Yeah. Even if she walked cautiously away, like he was waiting for her because he was still yeah. there watching her investigate anyway. Yeah. Oh, God. At the police station, Paul is hooting and hollering from his cell. Hey, warden, we're busting out of here at midnight. You can't keep me in here. What are you charging him with? Disturbing the peace. Hey, you can't keep me in here. My boys will spring me as soon as they hear about this. Hey, keep it down in there. Ooh, look out, boys. The marshal's coming with his rubber hose. Paul, shut up. And uh, Pam and Mike just want him to shut up. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, I forgot to mention, like, because it, it cuts back to the couple making out in the basement. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, they hear a noise, classic horror movie oh, yeah, scenario. Yeah, yeah. It's probably just the wind. In the basement? what was that and he says it was just the wind and she's like in the basement i loved it it was so because they both laughed too it was funny it was good really cute really cute (laughs) i liked it a lot kingsley our shopkeeper arrives at the sheriff's station Mm -hmm. and he tells them that he saw kids hanging around the cemetery or something and he knows what they're doing in there it's a damn graduation thing we haven't had any trouble out of that college for more than 30 years and we have to start that damn thing over again. What do you mean? There's a bunch of kids over there in the cemetery. I know what they're doing in there. Yeah, well, what are they doing in there, Kingsley? Well, it was dark. I couldn't see anything. Well, if you couldn't see anything, why don't you just go home? So they got to go investigate. Yeah, Pam and Mark head out to go investigate Junior the detectives, naturally. <laughs> Uh, and he gets out of the, he gets out of his Jeep. He goes to investigate solo. Another one of his, uh, very extended slow searches where he's like not doing a very (laughs) efficient job, but he comes across a grave that's been opened and a casket that's been cracked. Dum, dum, dum. Yeah. There's like a POV shot from behind him, like slowly approaching, so we know that he's being watched and he gets in the grave and goes to open the casket. And then we cut back to Pam who is mm-hmm. still sitting in the police Jeep and suddenly Otto appears, Mr. Kingsley's associate. Oh shit. And she gets creeped out and starts like screaming. So Mark comes back, mm-hmm. but Otto's already gone and he and Pam go back to the grave together this time and they open the casket to find Lisa's body in there. Holy shit. And that's when they discover that it's Rosemary's grave. Yeah, the name and a lot of other stuff has been scratched yeah. out on it. But the rose, very clear. <laughs> uh, back at the sheriff's station, mm-hmm. Mark calls the hotel to speak to the sheriff. Yeah. Like the, the hunting lodge or fishing lodge yeah. or wherever the hell he's staying. And it's a really weird scene with the hotel manager... <laughs> who's 
like this lazy slovenly dude he's drinking beer eating jerky and playing solitaire and he does not want to be interrupted at this hour Okoe Lodge. Could I please speak to Sheriff George Fraser? He should have checked in today. Well, I just come on an hour ago. Let me check and see what cabin he's in. Look, buddy, this is an emergency. I need to get in touch with him right away. Uh, he's in a... Everybody's asleep now. Uh-huh. Well, why don't I just run out and get him? So he pretends, he lies to, to Mark and is like, okay, I'll go get him. I'll go check his cabin. Yeah, and he just... does like a full performance where he does like the noises of, as if he were walking away and oh, everything. Oh yeah, Foley noises. And then, yeah, yeah, it's really good, really good. And Mark's just like patiently, well, not really patiently, impatiently waiting on the line. Yeah, he even like puts in some dip. Oh yeah, yeah. he does. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, and eventually he's like, oh, he wasn't in the cabin. Well, you didn't check, <laughs> asshole. So Mark asks him to take a message instead. And he agrees, but he says he has to find a pencil. We see that he has a pencil behind his ear. Yeah, but he looks around, yeah. eventually <laughs> finds it. Uh, and Mark's genius message, this is this is the message that he leaves. Tell him it's Mark London, and I need him to call him back right away. <laughs> Not, hey, uh, someone's killing teens, and I need ya. Yeah. Like, well, maybe that's too much to leave with a hotel manager. Maybe. I feel like if the hotel manager knew it was mass slaughter. Well, I guess they've only really found the one corpse by this point yeah they only yeah. know that it's lisa's body so that makes sense yeah but a nice little uh annoying interaction <laughs> yeah uh and uh then mark is like okay well i'm not just gonna wait until he gets back to me i'm gonna call uh the state police as well and we learn that they've caught the guy from columbus yeah, they hours caught the ago Columbus guy three hours ago so there's no way it could have been him who killed lisa mm-hmm so he and Pam take off in the police jeep again, and yeah. he tries to drop her back at the dance, but she doesn't want to go. Yeah, he's like, I'm sick of dragging you around, because he doesn't. I think he doesn't want to put her in danger. Oh, yeah. Pam, I want you to stay at the dance. What? I'm going up to Chatham's alone. Mark, that doesn't make any sense. I don't want to drag you around anymore, okay? Drag me around? What are you talking about? I'm sorry. All right, that's fine, Mark. You just go play sheriff, all right? But ultimately, they decide two are better than one. Yeah, so both of them head off to Chatham's together. Yeah, because they've realized, okay, well, he's plundered the grave. It's definitely related to Rose. So we got to go back and see 
if there's anything that we missed. Yeah. So they get to the house and they go inside. Mark heads upstairs mm-hmm. to investigate. With and his long gun. Again, we see that the killer is there uh, readying his bayonet. Mm-hmm. And Pam is snooping around downstairs. She goes back into the room where she was looking at the yearbook and everything beforehand. We see that there's now a rose in a vase in the center of the room. Shit. And just as we, the audience, notice this, the power goes out. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, immediately, you should not have split up. Yeah, oh, definitely (laughs) not. (laughs) So she's calling for Mark, and I believe Mark says something, one of the dumbest things I've heard. Oh, I'll just change the fuse. I'll go down and change the fuse. Hey. He just found a door with a bunch of stab holes in it when the power went off. Hey. Which should be a pretty good indicator that shit ain't right. But then as soon as the power goes off, they yell at each other through the house Mm -hmm. when he decides it's a fuse and he's going to go check, which he yells out. (laughs) But... I guess they don't realize they're in a horror movie yet. Yeah, and, well, as he leaves the room, he gets grabbed by the Prowler. Yeah, and knocks him out. Incapacitated. And then, like, sort of teases him with the pitchfork. Like, is he going to kill him? Is he going to yeah. not? Ugh. Then it cuts away, and the lights go on, mm-hmm. and Pam sees that there's a fresh rose with the yearbook slash photo album. Mm-hmm. And she notices that there's a necklace dangling from the fireplace. So she starts sort of like playing with it to try and get it out. around in there. And then she finds the skeleton of Rosemary, which drops down. Yeah. And it's wrapped in Lisa's shawl, wearing Lisa's clothes, Ah. I believe. And she goes to run. But when she opens the door, the killer is there. Holy crap. And he says... He gives her a rose, offers her a rose anyways, which she does not accept. No, she takes off into the house, mm-hmm. the killer hot on her trail, and for some reason she runs upstairs again, and she goes into one of the ghost costume rooms, yep. as yep. you call it. He's locking doors, so it's not like an intuitive, she can't just escape as she would think that she could. Yeah, no. She uh, hides in the room under the under the bed yeah i yeah. believe and he comes in and starts fucking shit up he Crashing starts smashing it. all of these what i'm sure are beautiful precious antiques yeah there's china flying everywhere yeah. by like it's landing beside pam's head like the house that this is shot in is actually a museum oh so they had to shoot it with like a bare bones crew that's all that they would allow for them to oh, shoot these scenes that with that sucks yeah oh, well it works, i mean though. yeah they did it, very it looks well really good it. limitations make you more creative i guess oh 100 percent. so she's under the bed and then there's one of the classic uh horror movie hiding scenes where a rat shows up oh yeah that's a very friendly rat super clean it doesn't even like touch her really it just like says hi i think it's just checking in to make sure that she's but she's okay yeah it's like you know you can do this i believe in you <laughs> and then he goes away she doesn't really even get too spooked by it i like she does a very good job at keeping quiet like she doesn't make a single noise the whole time he's destroying this and like in a lot of horror movies when they're hiding they'll like scream or like let out a little yeah their phone like goes off yeah. their beeper <laughs> their beeper there is a lot actually you know that i think about it there's a lot of stuff like that in that movie where it's like you think you think she's gonna fuck it up, but she doesn't. Yeah, no. Yeah. And then so he starts like smashing some more shit mm-hmm. and she sees the opportunity 
and she runs out of the room and back through the house. I wish she took off her heels because it's a hardwood floor. Yeah. <laughs> she but... runs into a room with like one of those slide locks just as mm. he jabs the pitchfork through like the the opening yeah sort of like a here's johnny yeah but but much scarier still chained much scarier in my opinion so she grabs the pitchfork to like stop Mm -hmm. him from like jiggling it the best she can and the handle eventually breaks yeah like between the two of them jocelyn back and forth so she gets the business end of the pitchfork yeah she gets the the pointy end with an extra pointy end because it's like sharpened to a, oh, a spike true. At the break. so it's like double trouble really yeah nice. and he breaks the door down at this point mm-hmm. and she's like holding the pitchfork up to defend herself yeah. very reminiscent of friday the 13th part two and that's when Otto comes in and he shoots the prowler dead out of nowhere out of nowhere but you sort of get the sense that now at least Otto knows way more than he initially yeah like she and Otto have this like very extended share of glances from across the room where it's like knowing like oh yeah like thank you I don't need to say anything like like there's a lot being expressed there uh and also the killer expresses something yeah the killer gets a second win and he straight up shoots auto again out of nowhere very surprising from a close range so it blasts him up into yeah, the air lots too. of blood Ooh, poor auto and then the prowler jumps on pam and they start wrestling yeah. on the ground yeah i believe he has a pitchfork sticking out of his back yeah yeah or at least at this point she drives it into his back yeah he takes his mask off and it's revealed that he is the sheriff the sheriff god Damn it, he's not going to get the message. <laughs> but uh, he's obviously dying from having been shot and stabbed in the back of the pitchfork, but he's going to try to kill Pam yeah, before he, he does. He and Pam are wrestling over the gun that he has, mm-hmm. and then she rams it underneath his chin yeah. and pulls the trigger his, and makes his head explode. And explode in fantastic fashion. They used a real shotgun for that. Oh, I believe it. On like a dummy head. Obviously. I believe Well, I really liked it because it was like eliminating functional fixedness where she's like i don't need to be holding this gun the way normal people do i just need to be pointing it at his face (laughs) very uh similar ending in terms of like final girl just like fucking doing the thing yeah to like final exam where she just like turns him into a pudding oh yeah 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 (laughs) it was good i liked it it was violent which is always good in my books yeah she's a really smart final girl for sure I don't know. Really good. And then the next day, Mark and Pam, Mark, I guess, has recovered at some point, which makes sense because if he was dead, they obviously, based on the other kills, would have shown him explicitly and violently dying. And presumably, like, the sheriff is like, yeah, "Eh, I like you too much. Uh, Pam goes upstairs in the dorm. She still has blood on her. And that's when she finds Sherry and Carl's body. Yeah. She sees their clothes still on the bed and she's like, no one takes a shower for this long. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what's his face? The guy is like, his neckties, Carl. Carl's neckties around the shower head. So it looks like he's standing up. Yeah. And she opens the the glass sliding door, sees him, screams, and I believe he... Well, no, I know he does. He like reaches out and grabs her. her. Because you can totally get head trauma like that and survive. Apparently it was a hallucination. Oh. I, I don't know. I like your thing that yeah. it was actually just like a death rattle or something. Oh, definitely. Uh, 
It's but, much more yeah. scary. She like backs up and then shows him again and he's just like hanging there. So that's the end. Great movie. Great movie. I really like it a and lot. Another like final exam, one of the like first wave slasher movies following like Halloween and Friday the thirteenth kind of. And but I would say this is much more in line with like uh fine final exam mm-hmm, in terms mm-hmm. of set pieces and in terms of plot like very similar to my bloody valentine yeah very similar to my like the forbidden yeah party. and similar costumes yeah. too and stuff yeah uh is this one canadian no no this i noticed they had canadian patches on the patch thing but they had a million patches so i was like huh that's interesting <laughs> yeah so i I'm very excited to talk about Good. the production because there's some pretty interesting stuff. I'm excited to So learn. first I'm going to do our Six Degrees of Jamie Lee. Mm-hmm. So we have Cindy Weintraub who plays Lisa. And she was in Humanoids from the Deep with Rob Botlin mm-hmm. who was in The Fog with Jamie Lee Curtis. Ah. Yeah. I was very surprised to find out that that was her in Humanoids from the Deep. Which I think we're probably mm-hmm. going to talk about on the podcast oh, at, at some, some point. point. Yeah. But she looks so different in that movie that it's it's wild. Um, yeah. So this movie was directed by Joseph Zito, mm-hmm. who also directed Friday the 13th Part 4. Okay. He got the job after this movie, nice. basically. Nice. Yeah. So, taking it way, way back, mm-hmm. he was studying economics and psychology at the City College of New York when he started making some, quote, little films with money he raised from friends, family, and even his dentist. Nice. And with these little films, he put together a production reel that he used um, to go to con with the intention of using it like as a calling card to try and get more work within the film industry. Yeah. He had also written a screenplay called Quarantine that he was trying to pass around. So while he was in con, he was showing his reel to a foreign distributor when he attracted the attention of an attorney who was in the office who, quote, looked like a bum. But the guy was extremely impressed with the reel, and he told Zito that he wanted to introduce him to a client of his who made movies. Nice. So when he arrived back in the United States, he went to meet this guy's client at his apartment at in Central Park West. And the guy came to the door wearing only boxer shorts with a long gray beard. He Perfect. Inv- he invited Zito in and told him to take his shirt off and began raving about the script that at this point nobody had read. <laughs> <laughs> so Zito left the apartment without having taken his shirt off. Um, but he left the script with the guy and a few hours later got a call saying that he had to come back to the apartment Mm -hmm. and that they were going to make the script. Shirts or no shirts. (laughs) So for the next few weeks, he worked on prepping quarantine to get made. And then out of the blue, the investor called him again and said that they changed their mind and said they're not going to make the movie after all. Great. So when he got to his apartment, the dude gave him another script instead, which was for The Prowler. He read it on the spot, and although he thought it could use some like polishing and mm-hmm. stuff, some touch-ups, he knew that he could make it work and described it as having a misty, surreal quality, it like almost dreamlike. Did. It definitely did have that quality to it. Yeah. Yeah. The man in the boxers invested $1 million into the film, which would be the film's budget, mm-hmm. 
And small yeah. budget. So because I thought this was like a very weird story and they don't give the guy's name. Yeah. I looked up like the executive producer of the movie and the guy credited as the executive producer is a guy named James Bocus. Bochies? Probably Bochies. Anyway, uh, one of the things that came up when I Googled him was a New York Times article from 1975 about organized crime and the pornographic film industry. Oh, yeah? Uh, So he gets a thanks credit on a film about Ron Jeremy and was the producer on The Devil and Miss Jones 2, which is a porn. Puke. And a movie called The History of Erotic Cinema. So I think it's safe to assume that this is the same guy. So... Anyway. I feel like New York was big for that in that area of time, too. Yeah. 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 So the article talks about how in the 1970s, organized crime heavily infiltrated the pornographic film industry, and it made huge profits from pirating and distributing films like Deep Throat and The Devil in Miss Jones. Shit. So, like, there were people going missing, ending up getting murdered oh during all of this time. Uh, but anyway, our guy, Mr. Bochus, is mentioned in the article by name. Um, in 1973, there was a porn film called Behind the Green Door. Oh, I've heard of that. It starred Marilyn Chambers, who is in yeah. David Cronenberg's Rabid. And that year, the brothers who produced the film were visited by two guys named Robert DeSalvo and James Bochus, who said that they wanted to get the national distribution rights to the film. When the brothers said that they already had arrangements for distribution, Bocious and DeSalvo threatened that if they didn't give them the film, it would be pirated and distributed around the country within a week. Fun. Yeah, so I don't know. I guess maybe this movie was financed from ill-begotten mafia funds? I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and like, there's some more stuff with the distribution of this film that's very suspect okay. as well. But uh, getting back to The Prowler, it was originally slated to be shot in Avalon Bay, California, where it takes place. But Joseph Zito, who I guess had a thing for seaside communities, <laughs> felt that Cape May, New Jersey had more of like a ghost town vibe and thought it would be a more appropriate shooting location for the movie. You, do, he, you barely see the yeah, town in He it. says, quote, there is something about Cape May. It had strange cult people and this voodoo hoodoo kind of thing. That's the thing about a peninsula. It's sort of like these very, very, very weird people keep getting backed away and backed away and backed away. And then they get to the coast and they start getting backed away until they're all jammed into this peninsula. You know, people who can't function anywhere else. Classic peninsula. (laughs) Classic peninsula. You know, whenever I go to a peninsula, that's exactly what I see. Yeah. So they had a shooting schedule of six weeks, 36 days to be precise. And while the six-day work weeks were apparently quite hard and took a toll on the cast and crew, who were largely young and inexperienced, there was allegedly a, quote, palatable or palpable excitement on the set that ended up resulting in what is described as a level of professionalism not typically found in such low-budget slasher films. Interesting. Yeah, I thought that was very interesting. I think it shows, too. Yeah. Like, this is a very well-crafted, well-shot, well-acted movie. People really cared about it. Yeah, it really stands out amongst, like, the crop of slashers from that time, I think. I also like the World War II reference. Like, that's a... Yeah, They don't... For sure. That's not in a lot of movies. I agree. Yeah, so... Yeah, especially around this time, like, lots of... If they were doing, like, a wartime killer or something, it was like, oh, they were a 
uh, Vietnam yeah. vet with PTSD yeah. or something. So the cemetery, I thought this was interesting. The cemetery scenes were actually shot in a cemetery on Halloween night in 1980. Ooh. I know, very spooky. Like you said about the uh, the headstone with like all the scratched out stuff. Uh-huh. I noticed it. Awful prop. And the director hates that prop so much. <laughs> he hates that prop and he hated the yearbook prop, which I also thought was kind of dumb. The yearbook prop was yeah, not great. Yeah. Because I thought it was a photo album. Me too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. my yearbook doesn't have a full page. Thank God. My <laughs> face. So it seems like like production itself went pretty well. There's not a lot I could find about about it other than like uh, Tom Savini thinks this is one of his best works. It is really good. Uh, there are like a couple special effects thing. Like I guess it would take like 18 hour days to shoot some of the special effects scenes. Wow. Uh, for Lisa's death scene, he accidentally dyed her red, like beet <laughs> red for three days. Oh no. Yeah. I think you can tell in one of the other scenes that her neck's a little like redder than it should be. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. and then um the guy who played the sheriff and the killer he had terrible claustrophobia so when they had to make like the model of his head he freaked out i would too (laughs) i would hate that oh me too 100 percent for hours no thanks (laughs) so uh to finish this up here avco embassy pictures which is the same distribution company i believe is prom night offered seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars for the distribution rights, And mm-hmm. this is where Mr. Bochus, I think, comes back into this. So a producer, wink, wink, declined the offer for $750,000 and instead decided to self-distribute the film. James or Joseph Zito really believes hurt the box office. Oh, and yeah. I would be inclined to believe. Definitely. And I think that largely contributed to why this is like such a forgotten and like lost movie. Because it's so good. I don't know why it's not, like, more popular. Yeah. It's one of the best slasher movies of the time. Like, in every respect. Care went into it. The acting is really good. The characterization's pretty good. Mm -hmm. All things considered. I don't really like Mike. He's too... Mark. Mark, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's too flirty. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I guess, in fact, it was only recently discovered that The Prowler was re-released to a handful of theaters in North and South Carolina in 1984 as The Pitchfork Massacre, (laughs) and it's still unknown who that distributor was or if it had even been legally acquired. But Mm. given our executive producer's uh, history, I would say it probably makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Ill-gotten. (laughs) Ill-gotten. <laughs> but yeah, that's all I have about the production and stuff. So I think that's, that's all I have to say about this movie, wrote. other than the fact that I love it and it's very good. And if you haven't seen it, watch it. Yeah, please do. You will not be disappointed if you like these types <laughs> of movies. It's really good. So with that... Well, no, we're not... Uh, I oh. want to talk about some stuff first yeah, before we end sure. it. So uh, as we mentioned, this is episode 29 and episode 30 is coming up next week. So for our 15th episode, we did a triple bill where we talked about three of the worst movies that we had ever seen. Mm -hmm. So a couple episodes ago, we mentioned that for our 30th episode, we're going to be doing a shot on video special. So we're going to be talking about horror movies from the 1980s, three of them. 
that were shot on video, super low, like, shoestring budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about Me them. Me too. I'm excited to rewatch them. Oddly, all three have a nautical, this was not planned, not intentional, but I realized it today, have a nautical tilt to them. I like it. So the three movies that we were watching, if you wanted to try and find them, some of them, if not all of them, may be available on YouTube. I don't know. I don't know for sure. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so we will be talking about number one, The Houseboat Horror from Australia. Number two, Blood Lake. And number three, Terror at Ten Killer. I love this because I know I've chosen some of those movies for us to watch and I've already forgotten what they are. Neither of us has seen Houseboat Horror yet. We've been saving that specifically for this. And it will be good. It will be good. It looks great. Yes. That much I remember. Apparently it's one of, considered one of the worst Australian films of all time. So I'm really excited to watch it. Me too. But we have seen Terra Tenkiller and uh, Blood Lake a couple times, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited to talk about them. Sweet. Yeah. So. Yeah, tune in next week for for that dealio. Yeah, set your dial. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Um, If you like our podcast, make sure that you follow us on Twitter at DeafFirstBlood, on Instagram at DefinitelyFirstBlood, or just rate us wherever you listen to your podcast Mm -hmm. because that really helps get the word out and sort of... uh, signal boost us which we would really appreciate you should definitely check out our social media for nothing else than christopher's wonderful posters that he makes every week for well, each thank film. you they're really nice <laughs> if i do say so myself yeah. Yeah. so thank you very much for listening we hope you join us again and good night good luck bye goodbye goodbye bye bye, bye.